Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. If you're in Hebrews chapter 3, if you wouldn't mind standing out of reverence for God's Word, if you're able to, let's read. We're going to read from verses 7 down to verse 14. The title of the message tonight is Don't Doubt God's Plan. Don't, Don't Doubt God's Plan. The writer of the book of Hebrews, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this in verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways." So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Let's pray and ask God's blessing upon the preaching of his word, and then we'll get right into the message. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you this evening, and Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, you know that my heart has been in turmoil today. Lord, and I need you to calm my nerves. I need you to calm my spirit, Lord. Lord, I need the Holy Spirit to empower me and to speak through me tonight, Lord. The things that I have to say, Lord, are of no no eternal value, Lord, but your word and the things that you say within your word are of eternal value. And I pray, Father, that you would meet with us tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in hearts and lives of your people. I pray that we would for the next few moments that we would put aside the cares and concerns of this world and we would focus on this place and focus on your word and what you have to say to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now the verses that we've just read here in Hebrews chapter number 3 really are tragic verses. They are tragic verses both in the consequence that they describe in the life of a New Testament believer, and they are tragic in the events they describe from the Old Testament. The Hebrew believers that this epistle was written to were torn between two options. The Hebrew believers who this was written to, they had put their faith in Christ on one hand, And as we know as believers, when you put your faith in Christ, we are told that we are to walk by faith. We are told that we are to live the Christian life and follow the Lord by faith. And so you've got that on one hand. And on the other hand, the old Jewish culture, the things that they were used to, the things that they were accustomed to, the old lifestyle that was comfortable was beckoning to them and trying to draw them back and trying to bring them back to where they used to be. It was tempting because it was comfortable. 
It was what they knew. It was reassuring. In, in terms of the Judaism of the day, it was the false teaching that if you just keep going through the motions, then everything's going to be okay. That was what the Jewish doctrine was. That, I mean, Christ had come, Christ had died, Christ was their Messiah, and so all those old things were swept away. Now the, the new plan, the new path was through Christ. But the Jewish teaching was just, let's just keep going through the motions, it's all going to be okay. Plus, there would have been the strong family and societal forces. You know, if you left the Jew, if you left the Jewish faith, you were counted as dead. Your family rejected you. Your family shunned you. And so believers, these Hebrew believers who had put their faith in Christ and they'd been born again, they were torn between following after Christ and living by faith and going back to the old ways, going back to the old things, going back to those things that were comfortable. And here in Hebrews chapter 3, the author gives us a strong exhortation against going back. And he refers to an Old Testament event to warn us of the consequences of allowing our doubts to cause us to turn back from following the Lord. That's what this passage is about. He's referring to an Old Testament event, and we'll look at it in just a moment, to warn us about the consequences of allowing the doubts that arise in our mind and in our hearts to cause us to turn back from following the Lord. So let's look at what he's speaking to us about this morning. First of all, we see the issues. We see the issues. The author here in this passage, he highlights three dangers that believers need to avoid. Three dangers believers need to avoid. Go down to verse number 12. In verse number 12, he starts off by saying this. He says, take heed. Take heed. Now, the word heed means to discern, to consider, to contemplate, to discover, to look for. And so what he's telling them, he's telling them, look, you need to examine yourselves. You need to examine your heart. You need to take heed. You need to take stock of your life. You need to be aware of what's going on within your heart. The Bible tells us the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? Who can know it? And so he tells them, look, you need to take heed. You need to take stock of what's going on in your life and going on in your heart. And then he gives them three things that they need to look out for. Number one, he says in verse 12, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Examine yourselves to see if you have within you an evil heart of unbelief. Now, he's not talking about here, you know... Thinking you're saved, but not really being saved. That's not what he's talking about, an evil heart of unbelief here. As you're going to see when we get to the text, to the Old Testament example here, he's referring to a heart that is refusing to trust the Lord. An evil heart of unbelief. You're refusing to trust God's promises. You're refusing to trust God's plan. You're refusing to walk by faith. It describes it here as an evil heart of unbelief. Secondly, he says, uh, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He says, watch out for this desire to depart from the living God, to turn away from the Lord. Look, an evil heart of unbelief will always result in a departure, in a departure. You don't believe, you won't trust, you won't accept what God says. It's going to result in a departure. You've put your faith in Christ. What he's telling these believers here is you've put your faith in Christ. You've been born again. Don't falter now and turn away from the living Lord and going back to the old Judaism. Don't do that. 
Don't depart from following after the Lord, following by faith, living for Christ, to go back to the old rituals and the old law of Moses. So look out for a departing from the living Lord, from the living God. And then look what he says in verse 13. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's the third thing we need to look out for. Being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Unbelief and departure are sin for a believer. Understand that tonight. A refusal to believe what God says, a refusal to walk by faith, and, a, and then a departure from the Lord, that is sin for a believer. And the result is hardness of heart. The result is hardness of heart. And so these are the three things that the writer of the book of Hebrews, he's telling us, hey, take heed and look out for these things. The author is warning believers, examine yourself. Prevent these dangerous things, these dangerous issues from derailing your walk of faith. Don't allow it to happen. And he, he kind of lays all this out for them through an illustration. So we see first the issues. We're taking the text kind of back to front here. The illustration is what actually comes first. The illustration. So look back at verse, verse 7 down to 11. Let's read it again. We've looked at the issues, and the issues arise out of the illustration. Let's look at the illustration. He says in verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Now, this is the illustration. And this illustration, when the, the writer wrote the book of Hebrews, it would have made perfect sense to the Hebrew believer. They would have, noted, they would have understood what he's talking about straight away. It wouldn't, have been, it wouldn't have been mysterious to them at all. But we, I think, need to dig a little bit deeper to understand what's going on here. Now, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 11, are a direct quote from Psalm 95. Okay, a direct quote from Psalm 95. We won't go to Psalm 95 and look at it. But in Psalm 95, uh, it the psalm begins with a call to recognize the greatness of God and then to worship Him. That's what the first part of Psalm 95 is about. Recognize God's greatness and worship the Lord. And then it ends with this warning, really a word-for-word -word, uh, quotation from Hebrews 3, 7 through 11. It's Hebrews 9, uh, Hebrews, I'm sorry, uh, Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. They're direct quotes, uh, Hebrews obviously taken from Psalms. But what do these verses refer to? And for that, we need to go to the Old Testament. Go in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews is building a case, warning these believers, look, don't develop a hard heart, the deceitfulness of sin, an unbelief. He's warning them against these things, and it's based on an event that took place in the Old Testament. And the event that takes place in the Old Testament is built upon what happens right here in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. The book of Exodus is all about the Exodus. It's about the, the Jewish believers, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And here in Exodus chapter 3, we have the, uh, the, uh, the time when Moses meets God at the burning bush. That's what we're talking about here in Exodus chapter 3. 
In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, Moses has gone to the burning bush, and the Lord said, in verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And so in those two verses, God says to Moses, he says, look, I've heard the plea of my people. I've heard their cry, and I'm going to do something for them. And then he gives a twofold promise of what he's going to do for the Jewish people. He says, uh, number one, I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. That's the first promise. I'm going to deliver them. And then number two, he says, and I'm going to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And so you've got this twofold promise. You've got this twofold promise. I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to take you to the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And what's about what we're about to look at, what Hebrews 3 is based upon is what happens with these promises and how the Jewish people refuse respond to the promises of God here in Exodus chapter 3. Now, the next 10 chapters of the book of Exodus chronicle God's deliverance of the Israelites. The 10 plagues, all the plagues that fall upon the Egyptians, uh, the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea, the destruction of Pharaoh's army uh, in the Red Sea. Then we read about through the rest of the book of Exodus, we read about the Israelites and their journey across Sinai. I think of, you know, they come to the bitter water. They come to the Lord gives them water out of the rock. They have the, the brazen serpent, the fiery serpents that bite people. And all those stories that we know about, their journey across the Sinai Peninsula. And then we come to Numbers chapter 13. Go in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13... God has kept the first part of his promise. God has kept the first part of his promise. He's delivered them from the Egyptians. He's brought them out with a mighty hand. The Bible says that when the Jews left Israel, they spoiled the Egyptians. They essentially took everything of, va of value that they could carry out of Egypt. They go across the Red Sea, and then God destroys Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. And so God's kept the first part of his promise. He's delivered them from the Egyptians. And now it's time for God to keep the second part of his promise. It's time for God to keep the second part of his promise, and God begins to give Moses some instructions. He tells Moses, he says, I want you to send out 12 men to go spy out the land. Go check out the land, go make a record of the land, go look in the land and find out what's going on there. And we all know the song, right? 12 men went to spy on Canaan. Do we know this song? 10 were bad, 2 were good. Everybody knows the song. I won't make you sing it, but 12 men went to spy on Canaan. When I said that to our church in London, everybody looked at me like, what are you talking about? No, nobody knows that song, okay? I didn't make them sing it either, but uh, 12 men went to spy on Canaan. And we know what happens. They go out. They spy on Canaan. They go into the land. They check out the land. That's what, he, that's what Numbers chapter 13 is all about. They see that it's a good land. They see that it is a land that does indeed flow with milk and honey. And then they come back, but they don't bring a good report because something else caught their eye. Look at Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. 
And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come, uh, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And so these men, they come, and they bring an evil report, and they say, We can't do it. We can't go up into the land. Now, do you remember the promise of Exodus chapter 3? What was the promise of Exodus chapter 3? The promise of Exodus chapter 3 is, I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to take you into the land of milk and honey. I'm going to take you into the promised land. And instead of walking by faith, and instead of moving forward by faith, these 10 men come and they say, no, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't go in. Caleb and Joshua try to encourage the people. Try to say, no, we can do this. Let's be true to the Lord. Let's be faithful to the Lord. And look at what the people say in chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? The people refused. Look, it would have been better for us just to go back to Egypt. It would have been better for us just to stay in Egypt. We don't care about the promises of God. We don't care about what God said. Let's go back. Look at verse number four. They even make up a plan. Verse number four. Then Moses and Aaron fell, I'm sorry, in verse number four. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. Let's get rid of Moses. Get rid of Moses, get rid of Aaron, let's make another captain, forget Joshua, forget Caleb, let's make another captain, and let's go back. Let's go back. That's their plan. God has made them the promise, God's kept the first part of the promise, and they come to the gates of the promised land, and they can't do it. Not only can they, not, not only can they cannot do it, they will not do it. We're not going in. We're not going to do it. God had made them the promise. But when the time came to take the step of faith and enter into the land, the people had an evil heart of unbelief. And it caused them to depart from the living God. God's plan for them was to go into the promised land. And they departed from that plan. They said, no, we've got a different plan. No, we're going to take this exit here. We're not going down that road. 
We're going to make our own plan. In fact, we're not just going to take an exit. We're going to make a U-turn and we're going to go back. They refused to believe God's promise and to walk by faith. And they were so hard-hearted that when Joshua and Caleb tried to encourage them and tried to say, no, we can do this. The Lord has been faithful. The Lord has been good. Look, all through that journey across Sinai, God had been faithful. God had given them the water out of the rock, and God had, sinned, uh, God had given them the brazen serpent to, to uh, save them from the poisonous serpents that came. And God had been faithful to them all along. And Joshua and Caleb said, look, we can go, we can go. And they said, no, we're not going to go. Unless we think that we are exempt, let me, let me remind you of this. These were people that had faith. These people who Moses was leading here and who were on the cusp of going into the promised land, these were the people who had, uh, at one time had put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. They had had enough faith to kill the Passover lamb and to put the blood on the doorpost and be passed over by the death, death angel. These people were people who had been redeemed, but they were refusing to exercise their faith and trust the Lord and follow his promises. And when the day of decision came, they let the doubts, they let the fears overwhelm their faith and decided I want to go back to the old life. I want to go back to the old place, the place where it was comfortable, the place where they were slaves, right? Where somebody always told me what to do. I didn't have to think for myself. I didn't have to walk the walk of faith because somebody always told me what to do back there. They wanted to go back to the easier life. Look, the place, think about it for just a moment, the place that they had begged, they had begged to be delivered from. And they say, I want to go back. I want to go back. They refuse. And this is what the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing about when he says, when they tempted me in the day of provocation, it was their opportunity. And instead of fulfilling my joy and walking into the promised land, they provoked me in the day of temptation. God was not happy. Look here. Let's look at a few verses here in Numbers 14. Look at verse number 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. God says, how long before these people will believe me and will follow me and will do what I ask them to do? And he says, Moses, I'm just going to kill them all and I'm going to start over with you. How sad is that? He's brought them all the way out. I mean, God is mad. God is angry. I'm going I'm to disinherit them and kill them all and we'll just start over. And then if you read the next few verses, Moses intervenes for them, and Moses says, no, Lord, don't do that. You didn't bring them all the way out here just to kill them. You know, that would, that would besmirch your name back in Egypt. They would, they would say, look, God took his people out. No, Lord, don't do that. And so God says, no, I won't do that. But then look at verse 28. Say unto them, as, I, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, 
which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. Folks, that's the story that the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about. In Hebrews chapter number three, back in our text, when he says, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. That's what, that is the event that the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about. And that's the event he brings to our minds and to the Jewish mind here when he's encouraging them, look, don't go back. Don't go back. I know you got saved out of that old lifestyle, and I know it's calling to you. I know it's tempting you, and I know it's, it's telling you you just need to come back. But I'm telling you, don't go back. The testimony of your forefathers, the illustration of the nation of Israel says, do not go back. Don't go back. Go forward. The, so let's look tonight, and let's see the application, and then we'll be done. So what is the application for us? We're obviously, maybe someone in here is a, is a Jewish believer, but we're not Hebrew believers in the Bible days of, you know, when the temple was still in, uh, in effect and when they were still doing the sacrifices. We're not Hebrew believers like that. But these things still apply to us. He says this, verse 12. Let's look at it again. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So what's the application for us? Just as he said, examine yourself. We need to examine ourselves. Myself, everyone in the room, we need to examine ourselves to make sure that we don't have what the Bible calls an evil heart of unbelief. We need to look into our hearts. And again, I'm not talking about, oh, I think I'm saved, but I'm really not saved. That's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with people who are saved, who are born again, but are faltering in their faith. They don't want to take that step, don't want to move forward. You've put your faith in Christ, now don't turn back. You've stepped out into a life of faith. Don't go back and walk by sight. Folks, do you know how tempting that is? I know if you're like me, you understand how tempting that is. It's always tempting, Lord. Let me go back and walk by, walk by sight. I know, Lord, you've called me. I know you've commanded me. I know you've told me to walk by faith. But, Lord, it's easier just to walk by sight. You know, I, I was convicted uh, over the last few weeks. We say that. We walk by faith. Uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. But then what is our prayer often? Lord, show me. Lord, show me. Lord, show me. Oh, you know, show me the way that I should go. We say, oh, no, no, we, we walk by faith, but then we ask to be shown. He says, you've stepped out into a life of faith. Don't turn back now to walk by sight. Look at what he says in verse 13. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Take heed, examine yourselves, whether you've got a hardened heart. A hardened heart through the deceitfulness of sin. 
a sinful life of unbelief and departure results in a hardened heart. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. Sin is deceitful. Sin convinces you and me that we know better than the Lord. That's what it does. It convinces us that we know better than the Lord. God had promised them a land of milk and honey. And they said, let's go back to slavery in Egypt. I know better than God does. God, I know you've prepared a place for us. I know it's a land of milk and honey. Look, the spies even came back and said, it's a land of milk and honey. They brought this great, you know, cluster of grapes to bring and show how bountiful and fruitful the land was. And they still said, let's go back. Why? Because their sin deceived them. The sin of unbelief had deceived them. For the New Testament believer, deceitful sin says that living the Christian life is too hard. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. It says, oh, living the Christian life is too hard. You know, trying to get victory over sin, trying to deal with issues in your life, trying to witness for Christ, these things are too hard. Why don't you just stop? Why don't you just give in to sin? Why don't you stop talking about the Lord? Why don't you try to stop living? Why don't you just do the things you want to do, the things that feel good, the things that you enjoy? Look, don't try to put sin out of your life. Just, just enjoy it. That's what deceitful sin says to the New Testament believer. But he says here, don't give in to that. Don't give in to that. Lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But the interesting thing is this to me. Look at what he says the remedy is in verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. So what's the remedy for all of this? What's the remedy of, you know, an evil heart of unbelief, departing from the living God, a deceitfulness of sin? What is the remedy? The remedy is this, exhort one another daily while it is called today. This is the remedy. The word exhort, the, the, the literal picture, illustration, meaning of the word exhort is to put your arm around a brother and encourage them. It's to encourage, and it's, it's to, for a brother or sister who has fallen, who has stumbled, to help them get up, to dust them off, and help them get pointed in the right direction again. That's what the word exhort means. You see a brother or sister who, you know, you can just tell they're struggling, they're having a difficulty, having a difficult time. Maybe it's an issue in their own life. Maybe it's not necessarily an issue in their life. Maybe it's just something on that's going on around them that has brought them down. And to just put your arm around them and encourage them and say, hey, no, don't give up. Let's keep moving forward. Don't go back to the old way. Let's just keep moving forward. That's what these folks needed. They were tempted to go back to the old life. They were tempted to go back to the old sacrifices, the old temple. And he says, no, 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 don't give up. Go forward. In fact, exhort one another. Look, you see a brother or sister, help them out. Encourage them. Don't, don't let them, don't just walk by them. Oh, they can get up on their own. They can sort that out on their own. They don't need my help. No, exhort them and encourage them. And lastly, let me show you this. Three times in this passage... The writer uses the word today. Today. Verse number seven, he says, As the Holy Ghost saith. He's referring back to Psalm 95. And the Holy Ghost is the author of Psalm 95. And it applies to us because he says, As the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice. Look down at verse number 13. He says, But exhort one another daily while it is called 
today. Look down at verse 15. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Folks, the time to deal with doubt and unbelief is today. That is the time to deal. Look, if you're having doubts, if you're, if you're being tempted to turn away from following the Lord, look, this Christian life is too hard. I'm struggling with things. My friends laugh at me. My family has scorned me. Look, I just want to go back to the, th the way things were. No, he says, deal with that today. Don't let it go on. Don't let it continue on. Don't let it carry on. Deal with your unbelief. Deal with your hardness of heart. Deal with it today. Tomorrow is too late. Tomorrow's too late. Look, if you wait till tomorrow, something else might happen. You may not be able to deal with the hardness of heart. If you wait till tomorrow, you may be convinced to depart. You may be, your heart just may give up and you may just say, oh, and throw in the towel. Look, yesterday's already gone. You can't go back and change yesterday. You can't go back and deal with the unbelief of yesterday. You can only deal with today. And so three times he tells us, look, if you can hear the Lord's voice appealing to you and calling to you today, deal with it today. Today is a day to deal with the hardness of heart. The longer we let it go on, the harder the heart gets. You've all, you all know this. You've all been there. We've all been there. The longer you let it go, the harder the heart gets and the further and the further and the further you feel from the Lord the greater that gulf seems to grow. Look, deal with it today. Don't let it go on. You may not get a chance to deal with it tomorrow. Allowing doubt and unbelief to cause us to turn back from following the Lord leads to disastrous consequences. It was disastrous for the children of Israel. He told them, you're going to wander in the wilderness. All of you who refuse to go in, your carcasses are going to fall in the wilderness. Now, we don't deal, God doesn't deal with us necessarily the same way he dealt with Israel. I don't think God is going to let us wander until we fall dead in the wilderness. But it has dangerous and desperate consequences in the life of a believer. If you read through this portion of the book of Hebrews, he talks a lot about entering into the Lord's rest. Entering into the Lord's rest. That is entering into the, what we sometimes call the victorious Christian life. That is the Lord's rest. And he's saying, look, if you give in to that evil heart of unbelief, you depart from the Lord, you get the hardness of heart, you will not be able to enter into the Lord's rest. You won't be able to live that victorious Christian life. If you want to live that victorious Christian life, you've got to walk by faith. You've got to follow after the Lord. We can make some application for our lives today. Too often we are tempted to go back instead of moving forward. We have old friends who invite us to partake in the sin we used to enjoy. If you were maybe recently saved, if you're like I was when I got my life right with the Lord, you have people that they don't, I mean, they don't really understand necessarily what they're doing oftentimes, but they want you to come back. Go back and enjoy the old things you used to enjoy. We struggle with sin in our flesh, and it's too difficult to get victory, and it's, we hear the things, just stop trying. Sometimes we miss old relationships, they're not but they're not edifying in our new life in Christ. And we've got to just, sometimes you've got to let them go. It's no fun to daily bear the cross, right? 
Nobody likes to be ridiculed. Nobody likes to be persecuted. Nobody likes to be made fun of. It's no fun to daily bear the cross, but we've got to do it. We've got to walk the walk of faith. We've got to do the things that God has called us to do. We've got to follow after the promises of God. Sometimes I know that I've, I've been through this in my life, and so I'll share it with you tonight, or I'll give you the example tonight. Sometimes we try to negotiate with God. Have you ever been in that situation? Well, God, I know you've called me to do this, but what if I do that? Lord, I know you've called me to be a missionary, but what if I just get a really good job and give a lot of money to missions? Or God, I know you've called me to be in the ministry and to pastor church, but what if I just be really faithful in my own church and teach a Sunday school class and help my pastor in any way I can? And we try sometimes to negotiate with God instead of following through on what he's called us to do. Don't doubt God's plan. All of these things beckon us and say, hey, it'd just be easier to go back or to do your own thing. But the Holy Spirit tells us, take heed, check your heart, see if it's evil and refusing to believe God's promises. Don't let it tempt you to depart from the living God. Don't let your heart get hardened. Deal with it today. Confess it, repent it, Break up the hard ground of your heart while it is called today, while you still have a chance. So let me ask you this evening, are you dealing with any of these issues? You have that unbelief creeping in? Pastor talked about it this morning. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Do you feel that unbelief creeping in? Look, I would say on one hand, it's, it's natural. It's the flesh. But we've got to forsake it, and we've got to ask the Lord, Lord, help us believe. Do you feel yourself departing, being led away? Are there some things that are drawing you away and tempting you away? Or do you say, Pastor, I'll just admit I'm, I'm hard-hearted. I'm hard-hearted. I've already taken steps one and two, and I've let the hardness set in. Folks, he says, take heed and examine your hearts. Don't doubt God's plan. That's what the children of Israel did. They doubted God's plan and they paid a heavy price. Let me encourage you tonight. Don't doubt God's plan. Walk by faith. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. And if you see a brother or sister falter, hey, pick them up, dust them off, and encourage them on the way. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.